Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Appreciate our worship team did such a wonderful job today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Notes are being passed out, and while those are being passed out, before I read the Word, let me tell you just a little bit about today. We have our brand new King's Guide. The Spring Guide has come out. All of our life groups, all of our teams, there's so much going on to help you grow in the things of God. And uh, again, as notes are being passed out, I'm going to take a moment to say, when I first got here, I really didn't know how to do life the kingdom way. I didn't, I didn't know things. And I learned a lot. I learned, how to, I learned how to be a good father, and I'm still learning. All the father said... Amen. I, I learned how to be a good husband, and my wife told me, she told me, because sometimes men think things that are not true. She told me I'm a good husband. I, I, I learned how to, I've learned how to pray. I've learned how to be a man of God. I've learned how to handle my finances. You know, church used to be you know, a place where people would just go and, and uh, like a car wash, you go and feel better about yourself. It's not just about feeling better about yourself. It's about learning how to have life and life to the full. It says in John 10 and 10, it's the gospel in one verse, says T.L. Osborne. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. So what we do here is, yes, preach the gospel, tell you how to make it to heaven, but teach you how to have an abundant life. This is one of the ways that we do that. So we hope that you'll get involved and plug into the different things that are taking place in this spring season. It's available online. You can go to kcalaska.com and find out all the different resources of how to have a great life. Can you say amen? All right, here we go. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians 10, find verse 3. And let's read God's word. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Father, thank you so much. Move in awesome power today. And the moments that remain in this service may never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you heard the state of the church addressed by Dr. Morocco, but the word of the Lord for 2021 is fulfilled. I want you to say that, fulfilled, which I think is just amazing. And we'll probably uh, do a series on fulfilled and fulfillment in these coming weeks. And so we're excited about that because it goes with our building. I believe that we'll be moving in. 2021, we'll be moving into our new building. Can you say amen? One of our be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Along with many other things. We've been on a 21-day fast, and this is the final day. Come on, somebody. Say woo. Final day of a 21-day fast. We taught you on fasting. There's true fasting and false fasting out of Isaiah 58. And when you look at Isaiah 58, and you can go and read through this later, you can resource yourself on messages that I preached previous in previous weeks about the difference between true fasting and false fasting and the power of fasting. And Isaiah 58 delineates, lines out some of the promises that will come through true fasting. 
I love what Mike Bickle says. Mike Bickle says that fasting, folding down your humanity, restricting yourself from food or drink so that you could pray, brings your heart before the burning bush of God's presence. And when you come before the burning bush of God's presence, he brings revelation. And Isaiah 58 says he'll break off yokes. A yoke is a farming implement. It's also the yellow part of an egg. But in context, breaking off a yoke isn't breaking a yoke in an egg. It's breaking off a a farming implement, something that was been placed on you that would be a heavy burden. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Take my yoke upon you for I'm meek and lowly of heart. Isn't that amazing that God calls himself lowly of heart? And so in this time of fasting, we've declared that today, January 24th, would be a day of miracles. So I am going to take this morning service and I'm going to deal with the topic of breaking off yokes or breaking off strongholds. But not just off of our own individual lives. In fact, I've entitled it Breaking Our Nation's Stronghold. Now I need to say this before we get into the text and into your notes. That nations are made of families. Your family, my family... Seven million people, is it seven million or seven billion? Seven something. I'm still fasting. Anybody else? Families make up nations. And the truth is that our nation is broken and needs a great deliverance. And the reason our nation is broken is because families are broken. If God can heal your family, heal your marriage, Heal your children, like he's done for me. If he could do that, then our nation would be healed. And so, this morning, let's get into this. There's three things that this text is saying. The first thing is, the Christian life is a battle. Now, I love scriptures about how we're his sheep. I love scriptures about how we're in his vineyard, just as happy grapes and wee. I love the fact that he's the good shepherd and he'll carve out a you in the bank so you can drink from still waters. I love all of those pictures. They're beautiful. But it's also a picture of, of a battle. There's foxes in the vineyard. There's, there's wolves that try to get into the sheep pen. There's, there's problems out there and The Apostle Paul uses the picture of warfare to describe the Christian life. And I'm going to read some of these verses to you. 1 Timothy 1 and 18. Listen to this. Timothy, my son, the Apostle Paul writes, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight. Wow. Fighting the good fight. Warfare. 2 Timothy 2. Verses 3 and 4, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Everybody say, a good soldier. A good soldier. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Very clearly, when you gave your heart to Jesus, and if you haven't, oh, I'd encourage you to do it. Because we're all in a war, whether, whether you're born again or not. And I, I intend that by the end of this message, those online, those listening in the future, those here in the congregation, if you're not born again, that you will make a decision to live for Jesus 
But even before you made a decision to live for Jesus, the devil's tried to kill you, tried to hurt you, tried to harm you, tried to steal from you. And he's been quite effective in many people's lives. He's been very effective in our nation. How many of you know that's true? In 2 Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. The apostle Paul says, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. You say, well, pastor, I, 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 I don't want to be in a war. <laughs> Tough. Too bad. You're like, I want peace. I want peace too. I'll tell you when, the, when peace will finally come in all its fullness. When he splits the eastern sky and time comes to an end. Until then, you're in a battle. You're in a battle. The whole world is under the sway of the enemy. And to do nothing is to basically end up in the devil's jail. There's, there's a despot, there, there, there's a, a wicked ruler called Satan who's worse than any despot, worse than any Hitler, worse than any, any horrible evil ruler. Satan is behind it all driving his agenda at the end of time. And he fills the hearts of men and women but Jesus has come to set you free. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. How do you get set free? By accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my son. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or your sin remains. And so write in your notes, if we accept Christ, what Christ has done for us on the cross, we're set free. But to stay free and to accomplish God's will, we must and bump your neighbor and say, you're in a war. Bump your, bump your other neighbor and say, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight the fight. Come on, say it. I'm going to fight the fight. There's really a description of, a, of the war in the heavenlies. You can't read this and not think about Ephesians 6.12 and the war that's, that's in the heavenlies and, and also in our minds. You say, where do you get that from? If you look at the text with me, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, casting down arguments. That's in your mind. Arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's talking about thoughts. If I say to you, uh, eggs, spam, and rice, and you're from the Hawaiian Islands, what does that say to you? Breakfast. For those of you that are not from Hawaii, you're like, spam, that's disgusting. Now, what's disgusting is the jelly off the top. That's disgusting. The spam toasted is really good. There, I've heard that some people make pies out of that jelly on top, but I, I don't know. I haven't tried that. If I say to you, bacon, eggs, and toast, what do you, you think of? Breakfast. When you say arguments, pretension, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, he's talking about thoughts. He's talking about thoughts. A stronghold, and I've taught this to you many times before, but I felt very impressed to teach and preach to you again. A stronghold is a lie that is in someone's mind. A lie that's in someone's mind or in a nation. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I, I said this morning in the first service, there's a lot of racism in our country. How many of you know that? Okay, three people are like faithful, to honest. They're like, no, no, no racism. No, racism is in our nation. Racism is taught, and it's taught in homes. And I, I, I honestly, you know, obviously I'm white, but I'm a little tanner now since I've come back from the Hawaiian Islands. I was suffering for Jesus over there. 
I mean, I, I grew up in, you know, basically a white neighborhood. And I'm thankful for how I grew up and all that, but I didn't really understand prejudice until I went to Molokai. And when I went to Molokai, I was the only white person in my church. And, and the church wasn't prejudiced against me, at least I don't think. If they did, they hit it pretty well. There might have been a few people. Anyway, that's another, another story. But I experienced prejudice in the community where I went to go get my license. Now, that Molokai's changed a lot because they've had a revival there. They've had an outbreak of God. I'm talking about strongholds, lies in people's mind regarding racism is that your color is superior to somebody else's. That the way you are, your culture is superior to somebody else's and they're less than you. Whether it's white to black or black to white or red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in a sight. I, I experienced prejudice. I didn't know what it was before that. I never experienced that. I remember going to get my license, driver's license. Walked right up. They said, hi, good afternoon. You know, I'm the only person in the whole office. I mean, Molokai is a very small place, 7,000 people on the whole island. There ladies there reading a magazine or something. I walked right up. Hey, good afternoon. Kept reading. I said, I need to, uh, I need to renew my license. Didn't get up. Didn't answer me. And just, I'm standing there. I'm thinking, hello. Didn't answer me anything. I had some other things happen, and I realized, man, I, I'm like way too Southern California in my behavior, just in a rush. Maybe New York would probably be a better way to say it. I was just in a rush. Hello, hello, you need to fix my license. You need to fix my license. Hello, hello, hello. Now, I had learned a little bit like, oh, yeah, just sl slow down. We call it a Molokai gear. So I realized, oh, this is not going to work because I'm in a rush. I wanted to hurry up so I can get going. So I leaned against the counter. I thought, took a breath and I said, oh, it's hot today, huh? She says, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just sat there. After like literally two minutes, which seems like 10. Oh, you need some help. Oh, yeah, auntie, I got, I got this license. No, this is exactly what happened. She gets up. She says, oh, you're new here? I said, yeah. She goes, wow, you in a rush? I said, well, I was. <laughs> there is lies that are put in our lives, in our minds, when we're in our homes, through our, our family, our culture, through moms, through dads, through brothers and sisters, experiences that you go through. And if you allow those lies to rule in your life, you'll live in a place of bondage. Now, I just picked on racism. That's just one. And I said it this way, that families make up nations. We have racism problem in our nation. Why? Because there's racism problem in your family. Not mine. Well, praise God. Not mine either. You sure? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But it's always good to check. My daughter, my daughter knew she was black until she was about five. Somebody told her she wasn't. She goes, yes, yes, Minister Ava. Because they didn't know the difference. They didn't know the difference. She thought she was Hawaiian. She thought she was black. She 
So a stronghold is a what? Is a lie in someone's mind. And consequently, if it's in someone's mind, it's in the culture, it's in a nation. So what do you think we need to do to end racism? End it in families. And if you end it in families, it'll end in a nation. We've got a long way to go, but God's on the throne and he's more than able. All we need is a great awakening. Can you say amen? Strongholds on a personal level. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm fixing to meddle a little bit. So hold on. If you go to a psychiatric hospital and you talk with patients there, many times you'll find that there doesn't seem to appear, appear to be anything wrong with them. Physically, I mean, you look at them just like a normal person. If you start conversing, you know, depending upon the challenge that a person is having, you start conversing, you start realizing uh, they're not thinking about life. They believe lies and begin to control their mind. And I'm simplifying things. You say, well, there's chemical imbalances. I, I understand there can be chemical imbalances. And I think, honestly, what I believe is at the root of it, it's a spiritual condition. The problem with, with folks in, in life is they have these lies in their minds that create a stronghold and a set way of thinking that's contrary to truth that controls the way that they live. As a man thinks in his heart, so he... I've taught this to you many, many times. Since everything's affected by how we think, it's important that we have the right attitude. It's important that we have the right motives. Motives are why you do things. Motives are why you do things. Some of your motives are not pure. You do it to get attention and so on and so forth. It's just that you need healing. Pastor Karen, she's a little under the weather this morning. She's online. Love you, sweetie. She, she says this over people that there, some folks cause a lot of challenges. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, of course, no one here. <laughs> Pastor Karen is so gracious in the way that she, she helps people. And sometimes I've gotten frustrated over the years, especially when I was younger. I'm a little older now. But she says, oh, honey, they're just, they just need healing. I'm like, yeah, they need some healing. <laughs> There's this great gift of mercy. Someone say they just need healing. Let's say we just need some healing. If you look at the Apostle Paul's life, you see his attitude in Philippians 1, and you think, you think what he says, uh, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You think he's like having a hot cocoa by a fire. He's in a prison with rats. Rejoice in the Lord. He understood that God was working things out, even in the midst of his dark, dank, difficult circumstances he knew deep down in his knower he knew that god was working all things together for good for those of, he wrote that in romans 8 that god will work all so you could be going through difficulty you could be in prison you could be in a in a problem right now but god will work all things together for the good for those that love god and are called according to his purpose and many people struggle with lies about their spouse. I'm right back in your notes. About their spouse, about their job, about their view of themselves, about the church, about giving, about lust. And you have to have those things exposed. And during this time of prayer and fasting, God will expose things. I've seen people that believe lies about their spouses. I mean, they just, they've watched so much of Days of Our Lives or Days of the Idiots or whatever it is. I forget what it's called. That they're convinced that the husband's committing adultery. They're convinced that the, and they see, I mean like, and, and how the devil works that. You know, a hair shows up on his jacket. 
that was in a, the, the hair got on his jacket when he was driving a company truck or something from somebody else that was from a long-haired guy, but it's blonde, and it's on her hair. And they were, hey, what, excuse me, is that, is, that is not my hair right now. That is not, where, where have you? Some people believe lies about themselves are no good. You'll never amount to anything. Their identity is all messed up because of your failures and a long list of the things that you didn't do right, or your lack of education, or how you didn't follow through. or what. I mean, there's people that believe all kinds of lies. If the enemy can get you to believe a lie about your spouse, about yourself, about the church, I ain't going to church. A whole bunch of hypocrites in that place. I ain't going to that church. Oh, look at that. Where else should a hypocrite go, for God's sake? If you're a hypocrite, you're here, I'm glad you are. May you get delivered even today. Bump your neighbor and say, he's not talking to me. Is he talking to you? Go ahead. Some people have had a hard time about giving, a hard time about authority. I've known people that have been abused with, by authority like their dad. Primary relationships, fathers and mothers, brothers. And they've been abused in those situations, so they never submit to authority ever again because they can't because they're unhealed. They believe in their lie that somebody's just trying to get something out of them, just trying to work them over. you got to tear down strongholds. Somebody say amen. amen. Lust, so on and so forth. Hallelujah. Personal strongholds, national level strongholds. This will punch America in the throat. Turn to Isaiah 5. You know, the tr truth is a beautiful thing. The tr you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Isaiah 5, as we move into this, this is national-level strongholds. And I, I'm just going to, really, you can read the whole chapter, so powerful, but I'm just going to look at verses uh, 8 through 24 quickly now. Verse 8, let me read it to you. And all of these national, there's talking, Isaiah is, is showing national-level strongholds over nations, and he's talking about how God's going to judge them. I love how when the Lord shows up in the next chapter, he doesn't say, woe to the nations. He's like, woe is me. Every one of these strongholds is preceded by the word woe, and he's not talking to a horse. He's saying like, whoa, careful, trouble. So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 5, woe to those who join house to house and add field to field till there's no place. What is he talking about? He's talking about a stronghold of materialism. And, 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 and greed. Our culture favors people who have money. Our culture favors people who have property. And it's tragic because in our culture, people size people up by the car that they wear, the house that they have, the clothes that they have on, and they're like, oh, well, he's not very successful. I don't want to spend any time with me. That's a stronghold. We've created a greedy society. I said we've created a greedy society. Don't let the devil whisper to you that you're not successful because you don't have a large bank account. Let me tell you what real success is. Get this in your heart while your concrete is still wet. Success is having what God says you can have being who God says you can be, and doing what God says you can do. It's real success has nothing to do with finances. 
although we're to be good stewards and all that, I understand. Real success is standing before the God on judgment day, hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Not Now, let me see your bank, let me see your bank account. Let me see. Oh, you didn't make it. That's not going to happen. You'll hear, well done. He judges us by our heart responses and by being obedient and using the gifts and the talents that, that he's given us, not someone else. There is a, a stronghold of materialism, and it should not be that way. The second stronghold you'll find in verse 11 and 12, woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink. I'll just stop there, but it goes on. It's the pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure. When all they want is like, in it to win it for themselves. It's all about them. What can I do to have fun? What can I do to have pleasure? There is an idol, really, a, a stronghold of pleasure, certainly in America. And there's times in life when God calls you to do things that are difficult. Please hear me. Leaders lead. And if you're going to lead your family, you're going to have a family that's healed and whole. You're going to have to do things that are not so much fun. I don't particularly care for suffering, but got news for you. It's, it's really a part of life, putting your flesh down. Your flesh doesn't want to fast. It wants to eat. I mean, give me the Krispy Kreme donuts. The nearest thing, the nearest thing to manna is when the light is on and the Krispy Kremes are coming down the belt. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. When you fast, you fold that down. You put down your, your taste buds. It can be challenging. Some of you people ran right out the door right there. Jesus! <laughs> Don't do things based upon what you get out of it. You do things because it's right. You obey the word and you'll get word results. Some of you want the blessings of God, but you're not willing to do what God's word says to do. Because it's uncomfortable. Listen, if, if, if God wasn't willing to be uncomfortable like suffer and die on a cruel Roman cross, we wouldn't even be meeting right now. Your sins would remain, and you'd split hell wide open when you died. But he suffered and died for you and for me, enduring shame, the cross, because he saw sons and daughters coming to him. He saw family that would be washed by the blood. Could it be that if you'll be willing to not make the pursuit of pleasure your, your focus of your life, that's not supposed to be the focus of your life. The kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, is to be your focus. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and God will add all things. You try to add the all things without the kingdom, that's called idolatry, and it's very painful. Some have a stronghold of pleasure. God's called us to commitment, not just to be comfortable, and the pursuit of pleasure can hinder our effectiveness. It's not about what you get out of it. How about what, what, what does somebody else get out of it? What does God get out of it? How about, how about putting your flesh down so God looks good, so somebody comes to the Lord? I don't want to come to 2 o'clock to a rehearsal. I don't want to try and fast. Yeah. How about do that, that we can bring hundreds to Christ through an Easter production? Wow. Look at 18, the stronghold of rebellion. Woe to those who draw iniquity to the cords of vanity. Our cult, whole culture has... From the 1950s with the beatnik movement, then it moved to the 60s with the free love movement, which wasn't free and it wasn't love. And this culture moved in and they just changed, things changed. And it was an assignment from the pit of hell. 
punk rock and, and it's moved to overt Satanism. Another stronghold found in Isaiah, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That's a stronghold of a seared conscience. And it's exactly what's taking place. I was reading an article in a psychology webpage that was disturbing. And I'll, I'll read you a small section, but not the whole thing, because it gets so defiling that I don't want anybody. I do want to make my point here. So it's been semantics. Things change. So if you had sex outside of marriage, that was called a fornicator back in the, in the day, years ago. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. Okay. So it's not called that anymore. It got changed to uh, premarital sex is actually what got changed to. Then, then it's not premarital sex now. It's just sexually active. It's changed. Homosexuality, and please don't hear me wrong. We love all people. Alcoholics, drug addicts, homosexuals, people that struggle with all kinds of problems. And, and, and God has accompanied people that are here today that have been delivered of all of those things. And that's what the church is about. So please don't hear me wrong, but you want to go read a book that will blow your mind. It's uh, Homosexuality and the Politics of Truth. Go, go, go read that. Again, we're not... A, we love people. We hate sin. So it used to be, you know, sodomites. Sodomizers. Then it changed to homosexuality. Now it's, you know, sexual preferences. And, and now, now it's not even heterosexual, homosexual. Now, now there's, a, there, there's a, a gradient. I, I'm going to read this to you. you. You won't believe it. I mean, really, you won't. Here's what a psychologist said. Pedophilia is a sexual orientation with individuals who are attracted to child features. In other words, an individual who is a, with pedophilia is, has the same ingrained attraction as a heterosexual female for a male or a heterosexual male for a female or a homosexual feels towards the same sex gender. With that being said, it needs to be said that, that sexuality is more of a spectrum than a finite category. It used to be that stores were closed on Sunday because America went to church. Now, I know that's upsetting what I just said, that it's got some shock value to try to tell you that America needs a great revival. The great revival, but, but, but please hear me, because sometimes we're like, oh God, those people, they're just such sinners. Oh God, how about you? Oh, I can't believe they took the Ten Commandments off the Capitol Rotunda. You took it off of your walls like long ago as you popped the top of your next, your seventh Budweiser watching the game. Why don't we just have a praise break because I'm not feeling the love. Why don't you just lift your hand? Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> Let's move on. Stronghold of pride, verse 21. Verse 22 to 24, stronghold of injustice. I, I could just go off on this here because we have so much of it. Used to be gunslingers, now we have lawyers. No offense. 
how to deal with a stronghold. Number one, see, because if we could all do this, then our nation would get set free. You understand? The White House will never change America. It's the church that's always supposed to be the ones. Come on, y'all you, you ought to give a better hand clap. If the church can get on fire, if people can get on fire and really live for him with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, and all their strength, we will change racism. We will change our nation from the inside out where fathers are dedicated and committed to their children to stay in their marriage because they made a vow. Husbands and wives working it out. Ah, I fell out of love. You don't even know what love is. Love's not a feeling, it's a commitment. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Crucified. Love held him on the cross. Not a feeling. How to deal with strongholds. Number one, expose it. How? Talk about it. Find somebody. Get a leader. Be a part of these life groups. Be, be a part of these teams. We've got amazing leaders here that you can talk to, develop relationships where you can talk about the pornography problem that you have, about the greed problem that you have, about, about the fact that you're filled with lust, perhaps. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just looking over the top. So if you're feeling convicted, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. The greed problem you have, the material idol that you have, the strongholds that you have. So one, expose it. Two, Repent. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Pray fast. Isaiah 58 again. Breaking these things comes with true fasting. And we're going to break them here in just a moment. My time's just about done. Going to break these things by faith today. You don't, have to, you don't have to tolerate that yoke anymore. That burden of self-hatred. You don't have to tolerate that anymore. You can break that thing. You can get set free. Your marriage can be set free. Pray. Repent. Be prayed for. Ask God for wisdom of how to, how to move forward. Pray for deliverance. I've laid hands on myself praying for deliverance. Develop personal disciplines. This comes from the main text, 2 Corinthians 10. We demolish. Who demolishes? We do. Some of you are waiting for God to come and set you free, but actually you need to take the word and, 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 and the power of the Holy Spirit and command stuff to go. I, when we were kids, we had a, a blue tick coon hound. And uh, from my recollection, I have to say that because sometimes we recall things differently, but that dog hated water. And, and it would roll in. What would it roll in? What wouldn't it roll in? It rolled in everything. And it smelled like the, the back of, I mean, it smelled. You know what I'm talking about? It rolled in rotten stuff with chasing raccoons all over. And then it would get ticks and everything. You know what ticks are? I'm fixing to feel like one right after the fast. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. That dog, you had to take that dog and you had to hold it by the collar. Then you throw your, your knee over. Then you buckle the dog down. Then you reach for the hose, the shampoo, and you had to ride that dog. That dog did not want to get washed. That's what you need to do with your mind. Hey. You need to take this thing and conform it. We demolish. Who demolishes? We make it personal. I demolish. I demolish strongholds. I demolish lies. How? By learning the word. By meditating on the word. By knowing truth. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? 
gird your mind. Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You have to change the way that you think. Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't give in to your lies. Don't give in to the devil's lies. Don't give in to, to the wrong thinking. Change the way you think. Some of you came in, you received Jesus, and then you never actually became a disciple, which means discipline. To discipline yourself to think and behave the way that Jesus does. And that's why we, do you think we have all these groups? I don't know where my thing went, somewhere around here. Online. Do you think we have all these groups because we just want to have cute little groups like some other? Somebody said, well, there's real revival, there's no groups. Oh, shut up and go have a real revival somewhere else. If you don't disciple people, you don't have a real revival. If that offends you, Toby said to say that. <laughs> Why do we do this? Because most people aren't free. Most people don't know how to have a healthy marriage. Most people don't know how to raise kids. Most people don't know how to handle their money. Most people don't know how to handle their emotions. Most people don't know the word. They're biblically illiterate. We have these so that you can grow big and strong and fulfill the purpose. Am I yelling? So you can fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And you think just because you came to church today that you get a pat on the back and head off and everything's going to be great. No, no, that's not how it is. I'm glad you came. I'll give you a pat on the back. But if you don't become more like Jesus and change the way you think, then you'll be dysfunctional and jacked up and have a prison ministry later on, and that's not God's plan for you. Capture every thought right back in your notes. Some wonderful points there. Should get something from God. Let's break America free. You know how it starts? Inside of you. It starts with us. Lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you have things in your life perhaps that are a lie. Ask God right now to reveal to you places that are out of accord, mindsets. Eduardo Cervoso says it this way, a stronghold is a mindset, a set way of thinking that's contrary to the Word of God, that's impregnated with hopelessness. In my life, many years ago, I've been serving the Lord now longer than I wasn't serving Him. But when I first came to Christ in my 20s, I couldn't stand to be in my own skin. I had made poor decisions, and, and honestly, I just didn't want to even be alive. God came and He intervened in my life. And somebody began to tell me, look, dude, you're not all of that old stuff. I said, no, yes, I am. They said, no, you're not. You don't understand. And he had me turn to his scripture, and you should probably all turn to it right now. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. See, some of you think you're the sum total of your experience or your education or the, the acts and deeds that you've done. You, you are not. If you receive Jesus, and, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. If you've never done it, I'm an, I implore you, I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled today, here in just a moment. But if you receive Jesus, you are no longer the old guy, the old gal. You're not the old person. You're made new. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a 
new creature or a new creation. The old is gone. And so this guy's telling me, well, you're new. I'm like, well, I don't feel new. He said, well, you need to adjust your, your, your thoughts to the truth. Joseph Garlington lying in bed. How many of you know who that is? Bishop Joseph Garlington lying in bed with his wife, newly married. He wakes up about a month married. Wakes up and says, I don't feel married. And she says, yeah, well, you better adjust your feelings to the facts. Because you are. Oh, oh, right. You have to get God's word, God's truth that has to permeate your thought life. You have to, if you want to become a spiritual athlete and fulfill the purpose that God has for you, you have to get the word deep down in the city of your soul. That it comes out of you when you face impossibilities because with God, nothing is impossible. When you face sickness and disease, oh, the Lord my God, He is my healer. He sent forth His word and He healed my disease. All who came to Jesus were healed. And the power of the Lord, Luke 5, was there to heal. He's the healer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On, on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven there's no sickness, there's no disease. So we contend for healing. You don't cave into the fact, oh, you've got a, a horrible report. Now you're just going to have to like ride off into the sunset and die. How about like fight? How about fight for your marriage? Understand what God's principles and His, His word is and discipline yourself to be no longer conformed to the image of this world. Romans 12, verse 2. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tear down the strongholds. One family at a time. One person at a time. Marriages staying together. People going the course. Sticking to the course. Finishing the race. One family. One community. One church after the next. Im impacting our nation. Changing our nation. Changing the nations of the world. That is how it happens. That is how it has to happen. It's not a law. It's the human heart that needs to be changed. There's wickedness on the inside of us needs to be changed. Did you get some? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, again, I implore you, I plead with you to be reconciled to God by receiving Jesus Christ who died on a cross and rose again from the grave. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, won't you do it today? Because your sin separates you from God. See, what about your sin, Pastor? My sin did too, but I repented already. That's what I'm trying to get you to do. Trying to get you to say, God, forgive me and, and receive the free gift. The free gift of salvation. If you've never given your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you did perhaps at a youth camp or when you were a kid or even a couple months ago, but you know you're not living right for God, you need to recommit. If you know you need to recommit, then recommit your life to Him. Give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or number two, recommit. Number three, you just want to be sure because the devil lies to you and you're not sure you're saved. All across this place, those online, those here, those listening in the future by podcast, on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you are, on radio, on 1610 AM. Come on, right now. If you died today, would, would you go to heaven? If this was your last day, can know that you'll go to heaven by receiving Jesus. Receive Jesus. If that's you, you want to give your heart first time, want to recommit number three, you just want to be sure. On the count of three, raise your hand all across this place. You say, that's me, Pastor. One, two, do it now. Three. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. My goodness. God bless you. 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 Over on this left side. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand high. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you all stand up on your feet all across this place? Now, now listen. 
I don't do this in every service because sometimes we're just confined by time, but I'm not confined so much by time right now. And I understand that Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. There is something about taking a step to say, I'm going to live for God. And if you raised your hand or you didn't, you know you need to be included, and you're going to make a decision to live for Jesus. You want your sins forgiven. You want heaven to be your home. You raised your hand or you didn't, you know you need to be included. As soon as they begin to sing, I want you to meet me right here. And we're all going to pray together, and then we'll close our service. Come on, come. Others are coming with you. They're coming from all over. Come on, come. Come on, come. You ought to put your hands together for these. just look at me. All eyes on me right here. I want you to pray this prayer. Very simple declaration of, of a faith and a belief that Jesus died on a cross for you and rose again and, and an admission of your sin and asking him to forgive you. It's so simple. I don't know why it's complicated in so many places, but it's really simple. You're just going to give your life to Jesus and it's the greatest miracle that could ever happen. So won't you pray this prayer out loud? You say, do I have to do it out loud? Yes. The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Just repeat after me. I'll lead you in a very simple prayer all across this place, those online, on all of our platforms. Pray this prayer. There'll be others praying and affirming their faith. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. 
Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Universal sign of surrender. Just lift your hands to heaven because that's where your help comes from. I pray now, Lord, fill and touch these. Break off every assignment, every chain, every bondage, every yoke, every lie. Lord, not only over these, but all those under the sound of my voice. I break off every lie, God. Tear down these strongholds as we demolish arguments, God. Holy Spirit, come. Fill and touch your people. Give each and every one a desire to grow in the things of God, to be disciples. To take every thought captive and fulfill your purpose, God. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your best hand clap together for God. Amen. Here's what we want to do. We're going to close in prayer. If you've come up front, just, just wait for a moment. And uh, uh, Pastor Vince and others are going to give you some information. I'm going to dismiss so that you can all pick up your children. Your kin folk, you have a beautiful day. Don't miss tonight. We'll be flowing in the gifts of the Spirit more, praying for people. You bring anybody that needs healing, the sick, the halt, the lame, bring people in wheelchairs, bring the hurting, the broken, people that have been given diagnosis of, of the end of life. Bring them, bring them. I'm telling you, you're going to see miracles, and so you don't want to miss tonight, 6 o'clock. Practice, what are we calling it? Tryouts. Auditions, Auditions at 2 o'clock for our production. Let me bless you. And then, Pastor Vince, would you lead other leaders to help these folks grow in the things of God? And then we'll let you go. We'll just take about two, two, three minutes with you, all right? Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. And give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. God bless you. Life group leaders, team leaders, would you come and assist us? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.